All right, here we go. We're going to start. I'm going to lead. You're going to count me in. And you're not going to do any stupid fucking gaffes about the timing. And we're going to be great. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> you're yeah. obviously now going to do that. <laughs> we're both on the same page. And I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you oh. a count of three. I'm going to clap. Okay. I can't believe I gave you this idea. Are you ready? Yep. Here we go. Three, two, one. I was just waiting for the bit. I'm sorry. I wasn't even going to... I'm not I'm not prepared to go because I was waiting for the bit. Henry? God damn it. Okay, here we go. Three. You ready? Yes. Three, two, one. It's January 18th. Sorry to say that I have been removed as the host of the Oscars due to a scandal I did not foresee. Uh, it turns out they listened to the podcast and realized that I announced it before they did, and so I've been ousted. But welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about thing, thing, just one. <laughs> now you can see why I was removed. I'm Henry, and I'm Ergot John. Together we're Henry and Ergot John coming right at you. You white. It's it's Egot. Ergot is the hallucinogenic fungus that grew on corn and made people see witches. Sorry, he... Egot John. Oh, okay. We're Henry and Ecot. Ecot? Egot? Right. Egot. Emmy Grammy Oscar, Oscar Tony. Tony. We are Henry and Egot John coming right at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeit. Geist. Yes, I uh, have. I've been to Ergot at Disney many times. Yeah, yeah. You get an. You get um. Ergot. Yeah, you get a um an Emmy, a Razzie, uh, a Got, a Go Golden <laughs> Girl. <laughs> uh huh. Emmy, Razzie, Golden Girl, an Oscar, and a Tony. It's a Golden Oscar Globe. And a Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Er- it's Ergot. crazy that all the things in Egot are just people's names. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Golden Globe. Emmy, Golden Globe. Oh, you're talking about a gut egg. Oh, God. All right. A Grammy, Oscar, Tony, uh, E, (laughs) Emmy, wait. Grammy, Oscar, Tony, Emmy, uh, Golden Globe. Gut egg. Gut egg. Gut egg. Yes, you are correct, John. What a f- fantastic start to this episode. I'm already already just loving what we're going to talk about tonight. Yes, what a what a great intro. Now this is it falls on me this week. Uh, it's in, it's incumbent upon me to ask Henry how's dry January going? It's going all right. I'm drinking the only ale I'm legally allowed to enjoy. That's right, a ginger ale. 
Oh, nice. I think we had a whole riff about this last week. Right. So, yeah, this would, this is my third week of sobriety. Uh, last week I discovered, because we ran out of Coke Zero, uh, that I'm also heavily, not maybe not addicted, but my body craves caffeine. Because uh, we when we ran out and I didn't have any for a day, I had probably one of the worst headaches of my entire life. Yeah, it was tough for me because I... Um... I used to have a lot of really unhealthy habits, one of which was drinking like full sugar, fully caffeinated uh, Coca-Cola, but particularly Barks root beer many, many times a day. And I weighed a lot and I had a lot of serious health problems. And probably the hardest thing about it is I had no idea how much caffeine I was consuming every day. And it was a ton. And I had these like persistent pounding headaches for days. So you can probably imagine what I'm going through now. Yeah, it's uh, not good. I, however, now, enough years have passed, like 12 years since I uh, stopped drinking soda habitually, and now if I need a little pick-me-up and it's after 3 p.m., I just drink a little Diet Coke because I'm 89,000 years old. Right, yeah, I mean, I have I have one... I have a Coke Zero at lunch now. That that's my I'm I'm cutting back. This is the season of cutting. So I'm cutting back everything. The the season of moderation. I am of course moderating and then I'm drinking an equal parts brewing lager beer. I think it is a German style pilsner. That's right, 4.9% alcohol chosen primarily because out of Houston, I think. It says brewed in the second ward, but I I know wards as a New Orleans thing. I guess uh, Houston has wards too. I suppose other cities can have wards. They're just it's just another word for district, right? I think so, but I, I'm drinking this this wardy ale. Uh, and it was chosen primarily because of a very cool can design, because I was really overwhelmed in Central Market and just grabbed one, and it's okay. I'm gonna say it's like a three point five stars, maybe like a three. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always a little disappointed when the can art is more kick-ass than the beer. I mean, that's my problem with this one, is like it's this sumptuous black and gold, like mostly black and some bronzy gold. I was like, oh, that's going to be like a very, very malty, kind of heady, rich experience. No, it's just a super light German-style Pilsner, which to be honest with you, is not the beer that I like to be drinking in January, but it is what it is. I think you're being influenced by Guinness there just a little bit. I just think that if a beer has a lot of, like, dark designs on it, you would expect the beer to have a certain character, but this should be, like, pastel blue. Like, there should be, like, a little lawnmower on this. Like, you should be drinking this while you're hanging out with your friends, talking about pools, talking about pool chairs. That's a very specific beer. (laughs) This, let me, equal parts brewing out of the second ward in Houston, I think. Let me give you some free advertising punch-up. Don't call this lager beer. Uh, Call this talk with your friends about pool chairs beer. Yeah, that's, that's a note from me and John. So, uh, you know, hit us up. I'm looking for a beer sponsorship for my life. Oh, that would be great. If one one or more of us could have beer sponsorships for this podcast, that would do wonders for my dry January. Because then I could see the temptation. 
The problem is if you get a beer sponsorship for your life, you do have to rep them like an athlete. You walk around with like little tight, little tight shorts that say the name of the beer on them all the time. I am down if that means I get like some like a case or something like yeah. a, a month. A yeah, case you, a month. You get a case a month and one pair of sunglasses. Oh, yeah. The sunglasses. Sounds like we're in business. The sunglasses are people, so people can't tell that you're blackout drunk at 2 p.m. Yeah. This sounds healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of healthy, you. Henry. What's up, John? Oh, I have a healthy addiction. You know, we talk about, we make a lot of hay, Henry. Well, is that an expression that people have been using to describe us? We make a lot of hay about talking about this so-called zeitgeist, but you know what we haven't talked about once? An actual ghost. Actually, we have talked about ghosts a couple times, but we haven't talked about something sweeping the zeitgeist, primarily the zeitgeist of people uh, who post things to social media that fucking no one cares about or engages with. Okay, I know what this is. I think it's worthwhile to talk about it to our audience. No, I, I get it. And I'll frame it in a different way. Uh, when the lockdown started in 2020, just a simple two years ago, uh, we went through these phases. Like everybody was baking bread. Everybody was watching Tiger King. We did these things together as an online community to connect. And uh, while we stopped sort of observing them, they are still happening very much so. And the latest one John's going to introduce to us. That is, of course, Wordle. Uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, kind of inscrutable blocks of yellow, green, and black emojis arranged in anything from a 5 by 2 to a 5 by 6 grid on your Facebook or Twitter timeline. That, friends, is the cheeky and kind of ingenious way that you share your progress in a little word game called Wordle. 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 One part word, one part puzzle, I'm guessing. I have no idea. Um, But yeah, each day there's a new Wordle where you guess uh, five letter words until you crack the word of the day, as it were. I'm uh, like every person who's bald and boring and everyone hates. I like to consider myself kind of a puzzle head. Uh, yeah. I, li- I like puzzles a lot, and everybody hates people who identify as people who like puzzles. Uh, but I-, I think Wordle's really well constructed. There's some reason to believe that it's its structure is very similar to a game that was on a game show in the 80s. I haven't done much looking into that. It's the, basic- the hacking minigame from Fallout, John. Sure, but better. Uh, essentially you try to guess this five letter word. If you get a letter right, it's yellow. If you get a letter right in its right place, it's green. Uh, so you have to use process of elimination to discern what the final five letter word is. And then if you guess it in fewer tries than your friends, I don't know. Your friends also don't really care if you get it. Yeah. In fewer tri- like no one cares. That's no the thing one, about Wordle yeah. that I love. It is a geniusly constructed, simple game that's totally free and anyone can play and no one gives a shit. And it's much, much shorter than doing the New York Times crossword puzzle every morning. Yeah, I mean, it depends. You know, if you get stuck on a tricky wordle, you might be there for like 10 minutes. You could crank out a Monday or a particularly easy Tuesday New York Times crossword in that time. Wow, look at the genius. 
I'm just saying those puzzles, the Monday puzzles, sometimes they're very easy. But I, speaking of the old NYTCW. Yep. Speaking of the <laughs> NYTCW, uh, Wordle broke my streak and I'm uh, no more. I'm no longer friends with Wordle. I'm very upset with Wordle. What do you mean it broke your streak? I had a streak of completing oh. the New York Times crossword that uh, was quite long, uh, and Wordle broke it. That's a, wow! The power of words. The power of Wordle, and I don't even share these Wordles because I know how little people will care. Well, for those of you following us on Twitter, you'll know that one of us is sharing his Wordle progress every day. That's me. I'm doing that. Well, congratulations. How do you like Wordle? How, how do you find it? I think it's fine. It reminds me very much of the the, the hacking minigame from Fallout. You know, it, it just, it, how many five-letter words do you know? And that, that's basically the game. Because, like, I don't know. If, you don't, if you've never watched Lord of the Rings, you might not know Shire. And so you, that's one you might not get. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know. It's just, it's whatever. I mean, I think Wordle's really well constructed. I think there's low overhead. I think shareability's really high. I think it's really geniusly made. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's made to blow up. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that whoever made Wordle is experiencing success. Uh, and I'd be damned if I could see any way that it's really been monetized. But I don't know. Maybe someone will buy it from this person, and they'll make a million bucks. <laughs> Yeah, that's very possible, especially the blow up part. But <laughs> I died. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, until like until the nefarious means comes out, like it's run by like the Nazis or something. Uh, yeah, it seems pretty fine for now, and it's innocuous. It, it's it's fun for like ten to twenty to thirty minutes, depending on your guessing. And um, I can't wait for it to blow over next week. Yeah, it's uh, not gonna... I don't know, I feel like Wordle's picking up steam. Uh, more of my friends are reaching out to me about Wordle, which also probably means it's gonna die. You have friends? Uh, yeah, I have two friends who aren't you. Damn, you get twice the amount as me. Wow, you have one friend who's not me? Wait. How do you multiply by zero? You, you can't. Wait, you have, you have 1.5 friends? Wait, so I have three friends total... Oh, I see. You're I'm not your friend. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I see. I get it now. I you you have I done understand. some really hard mathematical gymnastics to eliminate yourself from the friend group, buddy. I, I understand you're saying. Well, speaking of knowing English very well, John. Mm. Uh, so vulture. I'm pivoting entirely. It's <laughs> rude, okay. rude. Don't call what? me a vulture. I'm more of a carnage. The uh, the the cultural. <laughs> you find a way to bring up <laughs> venom every episode now. I'm just practicing. The cultural periodical, whatever it is called, Vulture released a, an article yesterday uh, entitled "The Undoing of Joss Whedon." Mm, oh, Joss Whedon, uh, notorious person who has been covered on the podcast before right real heads of the podcast will will remember that we've been a little ambivalent about mr joss whedon after allegations popped up over the course of the past three years 
at a steady, steadily increasing pace from people he's worked intimately with. Um, notably, we talked about the Ray Fisher. I don't know what to call it. Not incident, but the the we the awareness that Ray Fisher was raising about just the uh, the unprofessional environment that Mr. Whedon was creating on the reshoot set of Zack Schneider's Justice League. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the the release of the Snyder Cut, uh, much in the way it uh, improved our society as a whole, has proved as like a catalyzing event in this like weird Joss Whedon thing. Because kind of historically, maybe a decade plus ago to today, every once in a while, people are like, I feel like Joss Whedon's kind of a creep. Or, oh, he runs a really weird set or oh he's strangely domineering to women and that comes up every once in a while yeah it comes up often enough that it's hard to say like oh those are just random accusations of people who are jealous of me or whatever it's like no that's called a pattern yeah i mean it's i don't want to conflate it with things that have happened in the past with various comedians where you're like, oh, this is a weird pattern people have kind of been talking about. Why is it catalyzing now? Because it does not at all appear to be the same thing. But, you know, it, right. it's kind of similar. So, yes, Vulture, um, Leah Shapiro is the author the end of this article. It's actually an interview, an interview between Leah Shapiro and Joss Whedon. And uh, just the whole movement of this interview is just very, very strange because it starts out giving background context about what the article would would describe as the deification of Joss Whedon as a literal living god. Mm -hmm. And then where the article ends up is with tying into him taking over for Zack Schneider's Justice League to the online movement to release the Snyder Cut to the inevitable releasing of the Snyder Cut, and then Joss Whedon's perspective as a man who was once revered as a god, watching another worship base lifting up their own god, and him being just very dismissive of it, even though in this article, it begins with him being deified. Like, it's weird, the movement this piece makes... That it really leaves the question of like, what are we supposed to think about Joss Whedon hanging in the air? And it doesn't answer the question, but at the same time as not answering the question, it paints him in the most insidious light you can. I feel like this actually happens kind of a lot with journalism focused on Joss Whedon. And I think maybe it comes from the fact that like, you know, he wrote two Avengers movies, right? Yes, Roden directed The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. Plus Firefly and uh, Buffy the Buffy Vampire, the Vampire a lot of Slayer, A Angel. lot of writing of about Joss Whedon is like, Joss Whedon, god of the nerds who everyone loves, is in a bit of hot water. I'm like, Nine, there, are, there are a lot of nerds for whom Joss Whedon was never, like, great. Right, exactly. I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting to have this person sit down with Joss Whedon and like he starts out 
the, it was a two day interview. And on the first day, he was very sort of reluctant to start talking because he's like, I, I'm afraid of speaking with you because I know anything I'm going to say is going to be picked apart and like ridiculed. That's how he starts the interview. But then he goes on and later in the interview and just, just completely trashes people. He's like, I don't want to tell you anything for fear of it being torn apart and ridiculed. Now here are a laundry list of things worthy of being torn apart and ridiculed. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. Like, when, so just to tie it into the context of what we've talked about on Zero Credits before, when he brings up Ray Fisher, he calls him a bad actor in every sense of the word. But Ray Fisher is a highlight of that movie. Yes, Ray Fisher is the strength and the core of Justice League, and that was done on purpose as Ray Fisher um, kind of exposed during his, his campaign that Zack Schneider was like, this movie's going to be based around you because you're the first, you're, you're playing the first black superhero on, on in my extended DC universe. So, and like they worked together to fight against like stereotypes of black superheroes or, or just black people in general. And, and did mo- like they worked, they collaborated together a lot. And so when Joss Whedon came on the set and said, no, I want your acting to be like word perfect, no ad libbing and like everything's from the top down. It's like you completely changed the environment of that entire set. Yeah, I mean, I mean, apparently a lot of what came out of the kind of at the center of this is his uh, disagreements with Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot. Uh, about the way the picture was ran. And it seems like the way that Zack Snyder ran a set is like improvisation and rewrites and criticism of the material were welcomed and worked with, which I, I try to be mindful of Zack Snyder's problems, but that kind of rocks. And it seems like Joss Whedon was not that way. And the actors just kind of straight up didn't like him as a person or a director. So, yeah, going from the the environment of working with Zack Schneider in a collaborative effort to make this movie happen, they tr- uh, Ray Fisher especially tried to sort of open up that bridge again with Joss Whedon in a phone call. And a, apparently what happened was Mr. Whedon says, um, hold on, I'm doing a word search for it. Oh, how many times can he? Okay. Uh, when, when, um, when Ray Fisher called up Joss Whedon, to sort of open up a channel like that again, uh, apparently Whedon said, it feels like I'm taking notes right now, and I don't like taking notes from anybody, not even Robert Downey Jr. Oh, great. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, that's what Ray Fisher said in an interview with Hollywood Reporter, and Joss Whedon had nothing to re- rebute that other than saying, like, I don't remember doing that. And also, Ray Fisher was a bad actor in both senses. That's uh, real shitty. Uh, And then he pivots hard to just go after Godot. Mm. (laughs) Like, he drops the Ray Fisher thing, which is interesting, because Ray Fisher's the one who, like, really went after him. Like, was, you know, threatening WB executives over this mistreatment 
that he he suffered under the hands of Joss Whedon. Uh, but then Mr. Whedon himself is barely gets Fisher a second thought, says that thing about bad actor in both senses, and then apparently spends a long time going after Gal Gadot. <laughs> um, you just have to respect the media savvy of going, you know, the, the person who's like the first black superhero in this, like fan beloved universe you know that person sucks in every sense of the word now the other one the woman who's in the movies that people actually like in this universe yeah uh so this i'm quoting now from the article last year she told reporters wheaton threatened her and said he would make her career miserable wheaton told me he did no such thing i don't threaten people who does that He concluded she had misunderstood him. English is not her first language, and I tend to be annoyingly flowery in my speech. Uh, Any man who talks about how flowery they are in speech, execute them. (laughs) Uh, To go on, he recalled arguing over a scene she wanted to cut. He told her jokingly that if she wanted to get rid of it, she would have to tie him to a railroad track and do it over his dead body. Beginning quote, then I was told that I had said something about her dead body and tying her to the railroad track, end quote, he said. And then in an an, an, edit, uh, an interviewer note, uh, Godot did not agree with Whedon's version of events. Quote, I understood perfectly, end quote, she told New York. I'm guessing it just says New York in, in italics. Oh, I assume that's a magazine. New York Magazine. New York Magazine and an email. That, uh... I mean, the, to to use the... To use the excuse that English is not Gal Gadot's first language as if she hasn't been in movies <laughs> and has known English since a young age, her level of English fluency is now has an accent. And that's yeah. pretty much it. Look, I mean, a lot a lot of people who learn English as a foreign language end up usually with a better understanding of the language than native speakers because they're learning they're having to learn it the hard way through rules and like being taught as a subject, not living in it and picking it up as we go, which is the easiest way to learn a language. So very, very probably she's better at english than mr joss whedon is (laughs) listen i'm just saying english is full of idiomatic high context expressions gal gadot english isn't her first language so when i told her you'll never work in this town again she didn't understand that i was using flowery speech to say that i would never work in this town again you ungrateful israeli (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, yeah. I'm, I, but like, yeah. That so I read this. I read this in, uh, article over the course of like the thirty minutes it take took me to to actually get through it. Because I just, um, I don't know. I, I it takes me a really long time to read things. And as soon as I I ended it and I clicked on to Twitter, I saw one of those little. Um, one of those little trending things 
and I about the article and I clicked on it and what it was was Rolling Stone's take on the article. Their headline was like Joss Whedon says Gal Gadot doesn't know English. <laughs> it's like, Very oh, good. oh no. That- <laughs> Very good. Uh, I, I don't, I don't mean this in any way that is uh, libelous or slanderous. I forget which one is spoken. Uh, this is purely as a joke, but uh, do you think at any point in that interview that got cut, uh, after he got done ranting about Gal Gadot, he's like, and don't get me started on the Chinese one, speaking of Ezra <laughs> oh Miller. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they cut that because, of course, Vulture is sponsored by Ezra Miller. <laughs> yeah, Ezra Miller is uh, absolutely... Now, there's a great Hard Drive article about this. Wait, well, before we get to that, I just want to circle back to how he started the interview. I've got the full quote here. Please. I'm terrified, he said. Of every word that comes out of my mouth. So I mean, how how could you like you're trying to say like they're gonna misconstrue what I said? How can you misconstrue <laughs> English isn't your first language? I'll, I'm just saying like I, I'm just saying if if Joss Whedon's like I'm terrified of every word that comes out of my mouth, bro, I would be too. Like if you're saying that Shut Ray Fisher up. is a bad actor in every sense of the world and it, sense of the word, and that Gal Gadot uh, doesn't speak English, like <laughs> be afraid. <laughs> yeah, basically what the article did, and we'll get to the hard drive one in a second. I love those guys. Um, but basically what this article did was give Joss Whedon the chance to say he doesn't remember any of the bad things he's ever done while portraying him in just a horrific light. Yes, which uh, is is an incredible journalistic trick uh, that's called using their own words. It's, yes. it's called directly quoting people in an interview uh, and casting them a bad light by way of the things they actually said and mean and feel. Yeah. Uh, what, what did the hard drive one say? Oh, uh, Joss Whedon fails to explain controversy to his girlfriend after realizing Buffy came out before she was born. Yeah. That's something I picked up on while reading this, this article. Um, like, his marriage fell apart because he was sleeping with people on the sets of Buffy and all the other, all these other shows he show, show ran. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what came out is, uh, he's had three girlfriends. Uh, one of them is, tw- one of them was 22. One of them was 23. And the other one, uh, was in her twenties all Yikes. the while he was 49. I mean, you know what they say. Joss Whedon keeps getting older, and the girls stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. I mean, how can you... Hold on, I just pulled up the Vulture article. Yeah? And uh, what do you call it under... What's the sub-headline? Is it just the subtitle? A subtitle, yeah, why? The subtitle says, The Buffy creator, once an icon of Hollywood feminism, is now an outcast accused of misogyny. He has never (laughs) in... uh, Listen, I used to be much more, much fucking nerdier than I am. But no one really considered Joss Whedon to be like a bastion of Hollywood feminism. 
A lot of people actually did, John. Did they? Yes, a lot of people actually did. I feel like it was all downhill from Dollhouse. And even then, a lot of stuff in Firefly, even people who really like Firefly, like, that was weird. Um, so a lot of us, uh, the sheep, I'll refer to us as, who were not awake, were not woke yet, uh, fell under the, the spell of Mr. Whedon because we never saw a woman kick ass before. And the mm. fact that women were now kicking ass meant they were equal. That's feminism. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a time where they're like, a woman is fighting feminism. That's what Whedon did. Like, everyone always talked about his strong female characters. I think strong female characters first came out because people were writing about Joss Whedon. I mean, physically strong, sure. But yes. And that's what it was. Other Once people got more awake, they realized, wait, no, when we say strong female characters, we don't mean, you know, just men with tits. Yeah, we mean characters with interior worlds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he absolutely was like, oh man, if you want like, if you want to see a good woman character, you got you got you go to Joss Whedon. He, he's he's your supplier. He's down on the corner, and uh, you know you got to look past. He's got like an underage girl, you know, in high school. You you look past that if you. He's just got the good stuff, you know. Yeah, you listen. You just have to talk to his twenty-two-year-old girlfriend. And then she'll point you in his direction, and then like you roll down your window a little bit, he he puts a woman in a suitcase through your window, and now you get a strong female character. Yeah. For the record, I was using a metaphor for a drug dealer who might be in college who's dating a high schooler. I'm not saying Oh, I see. I was not saying that Joss Sweden ever dated a high schooler. Uh he to my knowledge, he never has. I mean, as long as we're making things clear. Just to reiterate, I do not think that Joss Whedon thinks that Ezra Miller is Chinese. Okay. He does think he's a woman. <laughs> he's he like, did try to date Ezra Miller. <laughs> he did try to date Ezra Miller. He's like, how old are you? Are you like 23? <laughs> oh my god. It's it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about people doing legal things. I guess you can. Yeah. It's not slander if it's legal. Anyway, yeah. So I think this Vulture article does like one one, one or two things. Uh, the first one being it's just a really good all-in-one-place collection of the, the known shitty things he has done. Yes. Uh, at the other time, it does give him an opportunity to say, I don't remember that. I don't do that. Which, what else is he going to say? I I did that? Th I mean, th this is a man who has no projects going on right now because uh, WB rightly did an investigation into the conditions on the set of the reshoots of Justice League. And as a result of that investigation, they took him off the show, his show, his new show. Women. I, don't even, I don't even know what his new show is. Oh, it, it's, it's got a dumb premise that when you hear it, you would think, oh yeah, that's a Joss Whedon thing. Um, it's basically about women in Victorian times having superpowers. Oh, yeah. 
I don't know. They took him off that show and uh, took him out out of all of the marketing of that show. And then I think that show got canceled like after the season aired or whatever. So he's got not like he was rightfully punished for the shitty things he's done. He's done. And now he can't get any more work. And it's like, yeah, because you've been shitty. Like you can't just say, I don't remember that or I didn't do that and have the present circumstances you have yourself in the people who are mad at you aren't the ones who would employ you. So you can't blame them. I mean, it's it's what I like to call a Gina Carano, which is simply being held accountable for your words and deeds by way of your ongoing employment. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're if you do shitty things, shitty things will happen to you, especially when you do shitty things to powerful people. And these powerful people go on from you and go on to have really big careers so that they get enough power to be like, oh yeah, remember Joss Whedon? That that guy sucks. What's Henry Cavill's take on all of this? Uh, he he has not said anything. I just like to imagine all of this was happening, and he was just like painting Warhammer minis in the background. Can't hear. Uh, I mean, Henry Cavill. I think for a large amount of the reshoots, was filming Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Oh, who did he play? The ghost. He played the guy who cocked his arms before the fight. Oh, yeah, the best trailer moment in history. Yeah, so I I think for a large amount of these reshoots, he wasn't even on set. Yeah. Um, Because he had conflicting... conflicting, That's not to excuse him, that's just where I think he was, because we got that awful thing with the mustache. Oh, you're right. And they came and he's like, who am I again? Superman? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'm in a field. Okay. And a really good move for where we are sort of social politically right now, uh, rather than take this accusation of not knowing English in silence, uh, Gal Gadot took to whatever avenue she could to warn her peers to never work with Joss Whedon and refute his explanation for their Justice League tussle. Tussle? Re- re- weird word. That that is a a strange word, but I, I mean Gal Gadot's totally within her rights to do so. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, she she knows English. She, she's been in how many movies? <laughs> <laughs> she's been a lot of movies. She's in Death on the Nile. She's in um, Red Notice, and she's going to be in Red Notice two and three. Listen, people love Gal Gadot, and you know what? I have two I have two things to say. Say one of them. Oh no. Then say the other of them. Okay, the first one, I don't know that Gal Gadot is like an incredible actor, but I like to see her and stuff. Um the second one, Death on the Nile, huh? The the movie that's coming out with her and Kenneth Branagh in it. Yeah, what about it? You ever seen Murder on the Orient Express? Yes, I did. It was pretty good. I liked it. I fell asleep for a little bit of it. I'm going to rewatch it. But the Death on the, on the Nile trailer looked pretty good. I I don't want trailers, so I'll take your word for it. The character posters look like character posters. I mean, it was before a movie, so I had to see it. Uh, uh, and I hadn't seen Murder on the Orient Express, despite liking the book. And at the very end of Murder on the Orient Express, uh, it has the greatest screenwriting crime I've ever heard uttered. <laughs> Where someone comes up to Hercule Poirot 
and says, there's been a death on the bloody Nile. And then he yeah. gets in a car and then drives away. But like yeah. in Death on the Nile, doesn't the murder happen while he's on the boat? I don't remember. It's very silly. I think that movie, <laughs> it commits a, a lot of egregious cinematic crimes. Oi, Hercule which... Poirot. There are ten little Indians. Oh there my are God. ten little bloody Indians. And it's not a Hercule Poirot book, but you know. Yeah, it's it's an Agatha Christie for sure. But yeah, no, I, I, that movie does a lot of a, a lot of cinematic sins, not sins, but faults. Uh, one of which is it has the the acclaimed detective Hercule Poirot run. Yes, he uh, never <laughs> runs. He threatens people. They try to make. Here's the thing about Hercule Poirot. He's great. He's, he's not cool. <laughs> he's not cool. He's from Belgium. He when it speaks started, French. He when is it, fat. When it started and he was just like a weirdo who couldn't deal with imbalances and like wasn't action. You know what? I don't want to take out any more of the time of this podcast to talk about my issues with Murder on the Orient Express. It's a fine movie. I recommend it. But they do a lot of work to try to make Hercule Poirot seem cool, and he's not cool. He's not, yeah, he's not cool. I mean, he's cool, but because he's, he's cool. fat and funny. Right. And, and he's good at solving crime. And supremely intelligent. Anyway. Like a, he's a big, fluffy hound dog. Yeah. I love those books. Hercule Poirot! Uh, anyway, that's my Gal Gadot fact. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact <laughs> it's a fact there's a death on the bloody nile so i think i think the the blood is written in the stone that's not an expression i think the writing is on the what wall a, what, a, what a grim ominous expression <laughs> well, good. well you know the blood is written on the stone the weak shall die <laughs> i think the blood is on the stone for mr joss whedon i don't think he <laughs> comes back for a while yeah i mean i think that his specific I think that the two things he does well, which is like make women that are either basically men or sex objects and writes overly quippy superhero dialogue. I think people, the general audience is pretty sick of both of those things. So maybe his moment has passed. Yeah, I think he's gone for a bit. I mean, I'm OK with it. I Going back and rewatching Age of Ultron, almost unwatchable. It's so quippy. Every freaking line is equipped. The only good scene is the after party scene with, with the hammer. That's not even good because they talk about Prima Nocta and that's gross oh. and weird. Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. We'll and then move like on. three men are talking and I think Natasha Romanov just walks up to be like, oh, I can't deal with all this testosterone. Get out of here. I'm like, shut, shut up. Yeah, shut up! Who wrote this movie? Which is Joss Whedon. I haven't revisited the the elder uh, Marvel movies in a while. Uh, all of Ultron's dialogue is good. Oh, James Spader. I think that's because just James Spader is great. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of being gone, John, Gone Girl. You know who else the blood is written on the stone for these days? <laughs> if the title of this episode is not The Blood is Written on the Stone, I'll be very disappointed. I woke up early to some breaking news, John. Some of the biggest news on our little corner of the world. And by that, I mean the gamers. Ah, the gamer. Oh, no. I know kind of what you're talking about. This is bad. You said you didn't know. I know a little bit. I will. Wait, why, why is this bad? I'm confused. 
I don't know. It, all right, so uh, breaking news as of 7 a.m. today, John. Um, a little company, a little mom-and-pop company, a little pop shop called Microsoft is spending 70 – wait, wrong number. Microsoft is spending $67 billion Christ. to acquire Activision Blizzard. Yes. And uh, rumors swelled throughout the day about what's going to happen to Activision Blizzard. At first, it was thought that Bobby Kotick, a name that you might remember on this podcast as the sleazebag who ran Activision Blizzard into the weird, sexist, toxic work environment that it is. And was Uh, in Moneyball for like five minutes. And was in Moneyball for like five minutes. Uh, It was first rumored that he was going to stay on as the CEO of Activision. Uh, But after that rumor got enough groundswell, Microsoft had to... uh, issue a statement saying that Mr. Kodak would be leaving after the acquisition was done. Oh, hell yeah. I didn't know that part. That's why I said it was bad. I thought that all of this Bobby Kodak stuff would be swept under the rug and he'd stay. I think because Activision, their their stock price has dropped by 30% ever since uh, the state of California started investigating their work environment. Uh, I think the price just hit a price point for Microsoft shareholders to be like, all right, that looks pretty attractive. And also, we can write this failing ship and maybe bring it back to the legendary game makers that they used to be once upon a time. I mean, say what you will for capitalism. For example, it sucks. But if a powerful company like Microsoft can be like, ah, this is... You know, there's a there's a big total addressable market for Activision Blizzard. They do make good games with long tails like Overwatch and Diablo. So, like, if we buy them and we execute the sexists and the case goes away, then who, you know, who can say boo about that? Right. I, the only sad part is, of course, with like buying like some some they're getting paid off, you know, so Mr. Kodak might have a golden parachute you know to to land with as he exits the gaming industry hopefully forever um and and you know hopefully they can kind of weed out all the other bad apples in that putrid orchard orchard or or that bad apple place i sound smart i sound smart until i trip over my words man bad apple place (laughs) Hopefully they can root out all the bad worms in these apples and get – hopefully you – know, I, I would love to be able to be excited about Diablo 4. That would be great. I mean, I, if – listen, my biggest takeaway from this is that the Diablos will now be on Game Pass. Yeah. And that's yes. what I need. A merging of Battle.net with Game Pass, I, that just seems like it would be great. I mean, I, I'm very I'm very down. I don't like Bobby Kotick. People have not liked Bobby Kotick in the games industry for a very long time. I think Microsoft is doing really interesting things in the space, primarily with Game Pass. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for this because I have been very sad. A lot of my favorite games are Blizzard games and like not being able to play them because they feel gross to me. I want to feel good about playing Diablo again. 
I do too. I want Warcraft 4. I don't. I want World of Warcraft. No. No, I don't want that. Blizzard's good. Now, there is maybe a dark possibility here, John. No. Uh, a Haradric Cube. <laughs> if you had to guess, what is the most profitable of Activision Blizzard's holdings? Oh, Activision Blizzard? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, why did I say it like that? Aren't Don't they also make Call of Duty? They do. Okay, well, it's not Fortnite, because that's EA Games, right? That's epic. epic. That's epic. The most valuable of mm-hmm. Activision Blizzard's holdings. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say it's Overwatch. It's not Overwatch, but that's what I'll say. Okay. You would be wrong, but that I, that's all right. What if Microsoft is only interested in the most profitable and the most valuable holding Activision Blizzard has? Candy Crush. Oh, no. Candy Crush alone. Candy Crush alone would be worth the acquisition. I mean, uh, I I don't have any numbers to quote you. (laughs) I mean, listen, they would finally capture the moms. Yeah, get the moms, get get all those $1.99, just five more move token money. Watch this video about how good Microsoft is and you'll get five fucking candies or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for what Microsoft is doing, but that, I'm speaking to somebody who has the Games Pass. Uh, so whatever they're doing, I know I'm going to be able to play because I'm subscribed to this monthly pass that lets me play everything they have. I mean, between the Game Pass and EA Play, which comes as a part of Game Pass PC, and I guess the console one too, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like the only video games I play. It, they've really got the over 30-year-old demographic. Yeah, I mean, that was how I was able to play Firewatch finally after all these years. Yeah, and if it can get Henry to play Firewatch, known anti-social justice warrior Henry who can't stand these damn walking simulators, imagine what it could do to you, dear listener. I'm very confused about what part of Firewatch is SJW. Listen, any game in which you walk is Gamergate. If you walk in a game, Henry, it's Gamergate. (laughs) gamer (laughs) g-a-i-t no okay i know it's it's crude to say the title of the episode should be something i said but gamergate is pretty good i'm gonna put them both gamergate written in blood on the stone yes yes perfect uh Yes, any game in which you walk is Gamergate, and if oh. you play a game in which you walk, the women win. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and the women are the enemy of gamers. I don't know what's happening. If I you hope... walk in a video game, you, you, you are giving this. a dollar to Anita Sarkeesian. I don't know who that is. The Gamergate... <laughs> is open (laughs) it's an open gate it's It's an an, open it's an open gate and what's coming out of that gate you don't even want to know how could something come out of a gate the gate is open 
G A I T. No, the G A T E. You no. can't switch it. The gamer gate G A I T is slow and uh, social justice warrioring, but the gamer gate G A T E is open. The gamer gate. Okay, you know what I mean, though. You do. I hope that when Microsoft, when the deal is struck and Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard for, it turns out, $68.7 billion, the price Just has increased. fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable, incalculable amounts of money. What's crazy is, um, this is bad overall, isn't it? In terms of what? Isn't this was... Th- isn't this what Disney is doing with all the movie studios? Oh yeah, consolidation's bad, but maybe we'll get to... We've been paying this price with our blood on the stone for like two decades now. We're like, yeah, this Monopoly thing seems bad, but um, I guess I get to watch The Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, this is the same thing. Like, yeah, it's good that... Well, and honestly, on all honesty, the the immeasurable good here is like, yes, hopefully this company that has very bad problems of treating women as people, hopefully like that gets cleaned up. That would be worth any amount of money. But it's still the same thing. We're like, oh, I guess Microsoft technically owns 80 percent of the American game making market. But at least I get to play Firewatch for twelve ninety nine a month. See, I, I am genuinely concerned for Sony because Sony rocks and they're my favorite. But like, they're kind of a boutique shop, not as much of a boutique shop as Nintendo is. But like, if Sony's not out there making moves like this, what do they do? I mean, I don't think that... We go to a world where Call of Duty goes single platform because I don't think that Microsoft is like exceptionally interested in platform restricting things. I think their future game plan is like we want to platform restrict things to the level that they are only available on our like cloud gaming services and we don't care what console that's on. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the latest Xbox is basically a PC anyway. Yeah, like I don't think that Microsoft is like, oh, we want to keep these things to consoles, which are loss leaders, by the way. Like, they take a loss yeah. on sales of console hardware. I think they want to buy up as much IP as they can, so they're like Game Pass streaming service, which is apparently, like, crazy popular. I, I've never used a streaming game service before, uh, but apparently they just want to buy up a bunch of IP. And just have that be proprietary. Who gives a shit if you run that on a PlayStation? I don't, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, PlayStation is making a little bit of moves. Uh, they brought God of War to the PC. Uh, the new one. Did you know Two? that? Two? The first one. Oh, yeah, I'll play that. I'll play they it. brought that to PC after uh, Corey Balrog. I don't know if that's how you say his name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, basically begged them to, and uh, there are some stirrings of uh, a subscription-like pass thing that they might be working on, but I think where they're edged out absolutely is the fact that you can just play Xbox games on PC, because I don't own an Xbox. I will never really have any inclination to own an Xbox, because any game that comes out for Xbox, I can play on PC. Yeah, I mean... 
owning an Xbox is chuggy. So who's gonna own an Xbox? Owning a PS5 is cool. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've I've got a PS5, I've got a PS a PC, <laughs> and I've got a Nintendo Switch. Like I've got the trifecta. I can play any game that comes out. Period. I mean, if someone invites you over, they're like, hey, come over, play Xbox. Like, you stop talking to that person. Like, that person is dead to you. Xbox, not cool. Xbox, Xbox not cool. Is chuggy. Although PlayStation the fridge is cool. The the little mini fridges they made in the shape of their console, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Sixty percent chuggy. I don't know what chuggy means. Chuggy. You keep saying this. It's uh, well. People say it's a Gen Z thing, but I think it's older than that. It's it's just to talk about, like, dumb millennial stuff. It's like trying too hard. Chuggy. It's a C-H-E-U-G-Y. C-H-U-G-Y. Is an American neologism? Okay, gotta look up neologism. Uh, neologism a newly coined word or expression okay the term is commonly claimed to have been popularized by gen z as a pejorative to describe lifestyle trends associated with the early 2010s and millennial what the fuck there we go why am i being attacked yeah that's what chuggy is it's you the aesthetic has been described as the opposite of trendy or trying too hard. Yeah, I mean, I I just opened up the Wikipedia. I think the examples on the Wikipedia are pretty weak. But, you know, Chugi is like Harry Potter fandom. Chugi is... Chugi is what millennials like. And it's now it's our turn to put our blood on the stone for the Gen Zers. Why am I being dragged for just being old? Because it's what happens to every generation. I never asked to be old. Yeah, but it, this is just what happens, Henry. What is Chugi? You know it when you see it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I get the Minions, but that's not us. The Minions is boomers. Yeah, but Chugi is also like... Now, don't get me wrong. I don't see any problem with this stuff other than, like, the way that I am as a person. But Chugi is like a Harry Potter wedding or a Chugi... A Chugi. You know. You know you know what Chugi is. You know what I'm trying to say. In this, in this article by the New York Times, there is a picture of three girls standing in front of the I love you so much Austin graffiti. What am Ch- I... What is... What's that supposed to mean? Chugi. What... Pfft. I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not the mouthpiece for Gen Z here. I think most things are fine. And it's silly to make people make people feel bad for just being older than you are. But it has happened to every generation for the entirety of human civilization. One of my friends said lasagna is chuggy. I don't I think lasagna's good. I don't know if it's chuggy. There's a thing called Chug Life, and one of the things, like, these are, these are expressions that are chuggy, and one of them is life's a beach. That is boomer this way and that way. Yeah, I I would say that is, that is boomer-ish. 
also one of this this one list of, like thank you ha- next that's an ariana grande song yeah ariana, is ariana grande, grande is chuggy yeah ariana grande is chuggy ariana grande is chuggy Her- <laughs> i almost called you harry henry that's not my name listen I know that we're having a lot of fun, like looking up the things that are chooky, but it's the the answer is simple. What you like is or could be considered chooky. It it just is what it is. Can we weaponize this? Yeah. No, I've already started to weaponize it against other millennials, and you have to start now, or you're going to get left behind. No, no, no. I, I mean, weaponize this. Like, if we, if all millennials got really into like uh, polluting the earth. Yes. Then we could have a whole army of Gen Zers saying polluting the earth is chuggy. That's going to embarrass everybody to stop. Why do you think every fucking dickhead in their early 30s wants to buy a pickup truck? That's what the plan is. Oh, this is just to justify your purchase of a Toyota Tundra. Yes, Tundra or Tacoma. And then Tacomas will be chuggy and then people will stop buying them. That's just going to drive the price up, not down. No, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> no, Henry. It's chuggy, Henry. Uh, you know what's really chuggy? Uh, the five-day work week. The five-day work week is chuggy, Henry. <laughs> Super. Why are you talking like that? <laughs> Henry, the five-day work week is chuggy. <laughs> I don't like I don't like this person. <laughs> the eight-hour workday, Henry? Chuggy. <laughs> I, I agree with what you were saying. I do not like the way, the tones that you're using to, to describe it. Henry, Chuggy. Oh my God! You sound like a like a like a like I don't know. As long as I don't sound like a caricature, we're fine. I think you're fine. Good. Because uh, you know what's Chuggy? Racism. Sounding like something. What? <laughs> Henry, I don't want to hold your hand through this, but sounding like something is Chuggy. Everybody sounds like something. Sounding like something is chuggy. Everybody is chuggy. Henry, it's chuggy. What you're doing right now is chuggy. You know what's chuggy? Calling things chuggy. That's also chuggy. just like FYI, chuggy was like. I I feel like this is from like 2019. Talking about chuggy is chuggy. How did I miss this entirely? We are in 2022. Yeah, three years later. Yeah, you a whole get pandemic the, later. You gotta get on the hot new words. I don't want to. Okay. I'm trying to look up what the new hot words? new words are. You gotta be on TikTok. Yeah, I'm not on TikTok. I am. I tried to get on TikTok and a lot of... What if, Henry? Oh, no. Marketing meeting. People right. are putting clips of their podcast on TikTok. What if we get a big time TikTok following? I don't think we would. I don't think we it's could the get right a big dem- time TikTok. I don't think it's the right demographic. Episode two forty six, big time TikTok. All right, you get on that, buddy. I don't know how to upload anything. Oh my god, you're so fucking chuggy. <laughs> I don't know how to upload anything. I don't know how to edit a PDF. You're the one who makes the music for this podcast. Knowing how to edit a PDF is chooky. Why would how you long, need to edit a PDF? How long can TikToks be? An hour? I 
don't <laughs> way less than an hour oh no we'd have to find our juiciest bits and our finest slices yeah so get get right on that guy who can't even listen to his own voice i can listen to my own voice if i speed it up because <laughs> then i sound like a fun little squirrel oh my gosh do you actually edit the podcast with sped up sped up sound yeah absolutely i do because i cannot listen to myself this is pathological and you know what henry it's chuggy that means it's bad yeah so don't do it no i will do it (laughs) 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 okay fine uh all right well look Big news! Activision Blizzard acquired by Microsoft. Diablo on the internet. (laughs) Diablo on the internet, yes. Listen, (laughs) if I were to take anything away from what we just covered extensively, big news, Diablo on the internet, Activision Blizzard bought by Sony, and Diablo's on the internet. (laughs) Are are you having... (laughs) Are you having an episode? I'm just saying, big news. Henry, big news Diablo's on the internet. It already was. Huh? Diablo 3 was on the internet. Diablo 2 was on the internet. They kept it off. No? They kept it off. They kept it on Battle.net. Oh, 2 was on Battle.net. Yeah. 3 was on the internet. It's the internet of battles. Oh my gosh. And now they put it on the internet. I think the moral of this episode is that bad men go bye-bye. <laughs> bad men go bye-bye. Bobby Codex out. Diablo's on the internet. Yeah. Joss Whedon's out. Diablo's in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What? Joss Whedon. Bobby Kotick is to Diablo as Joss Whedon is to... Gal Gadot on Death in the Nile. <laughs> That's right, everybody. Diablo's oh on God. the internet. Gal Gadot is Diablo. Batman go bye-bye. Gal Gadot Leo. <laughs> I can get this. Let me get this one clean. Gal Gadot. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get this one clean. Gal Gadot Leo. <laughs> I can get this it? one clean. Gal, Gal Gadot Leo. Gal Gadot Leo. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what happened to us in these last 10 minutes i feel like we were just talking about the news we started talking about chuggy and then that went nowhere. i think that really really derailed us i said i said chuggy just to try to like slip it in there and just like say it to say it to see if i could get away with it i think the jury is in and they're saying no i cannot because we turned it into this comedically poisonous bit that went on for like 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I think that we have no other recourse than they're the most chuggy thing possible. Plug our social medias. That's right, social media is chuggy, the teens, the teens, the teens, the teens. They're leaving Facebook, they're leaving Twitter, they're all leaving social media. They've got Polaroid cameras and they will take pictures of you and you won't know what the pictures look like because they can't show you because they're in a camera and then they'll get them developed and then you'll have red eyes like the devil like diablo 
Diablo's on the internet. So if you want to be on the internet, you can contact us on Twitter, the preferred place for brain-rotted millennials to correspond. You can send us a tweet too at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. That stands for Zero Chrysler's parked closely with hard jars. That's right. You can tell that was a pre-written one. Really just flowed. The email address that you can send emails to, the most boomer method of communication uh is you can send us an email to at two email at zero credits.net i forgot what it was i've got a lot of things on my mind but send us a long long email henry you want me to you want me to send us an email <laughs> henry send us an email we'll read it we are on i'm not so doing that many podcasting services too many to name but i will pod chaser apple podcast good pods and spotify uh you can listen to podcasts on spotify if that's where you listen to jack harlow but if you don't listen to jack harlow you can't listen to this podcast that's right heard it here first zero credits podcast allies with jack Harlow, if you leave us any kind of rating or review on any of these platforms that support such activity, it may positively benefit us in whatever algorithm sorts things for people who look up podcasts about two guys who are just talking. But you know what about talking? (laughs) What's happening? Uh, You know about talking, Henry? Because if you talk to people, they'll learn about the podcast and... You'll have made a friend. Tell strangers about the Zero Credits podcast, and you'll have a friend where you can lay down with them, and you'll have the left ear pod, they'll have the right ear pod, and you'll lay down on a big long pillow together, and you'll listen to the Zero Credits podcast together, and that person will roll over, and they'll tell the other person that you're in bed with with the long pillow to listen to the podcast, and we will have three people listening in a bed to the podcast in a bed together, <laughs> because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Uh, So tell your bed friends, tell your bed enemies, and we'll thank you eventually. And from everyone here at the Blood on the Stone Studios, uh, we just want to say that was Chugi. Am I doing it right? Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chugi! Good chug. It's chuggy to say good chug. Oh, good, good, goodbye. Chug bye. fun for me.